out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Okay, so I invited the entire world to come to the podcast and listen to everything. Looks like Julian Assange may be actually being extradited. <clears throat> and that is not good news for public journalism. I'm just letting everyone know. I'm trying to kind of grasp how I feel about it and kind of process everything that's going on as this is flowing out in real time. The news kind of came out a couple hours ago. Uh, I don't know if you know very much about Julian Assange. Uh, you might be new to the whole Assange problem or the problem of Assange being uh, incarcerated, co-incarcerated. He's had 10 years at least of history being um, behind some sort of closed doors where he can't leave of his own free will. He voluntarily placed himself in the care of the Ecuadorian embassy in the UK to avoid being extradited to the United States for what? For essentially journalism, but it is more complicated than the simple act of journalism because the espionage class uh, has taken it upon themselves to treat this guy like an enemy actor for exposing them and exposing allies um, through WikiLeaks. And Mr. Assange has done some astronomically important things um, with his journalistic abilities. Um, when he had, when WikiLeaks was at its prime doing things that are legal, they are legal. They're still legal today, but they are contested by the intelligence community. The intelligence community just hates him. And so he'll become a political prisoner in the same way uh, Mr. Kiriaku uh, became a prisoner for speaking out against processes here in the United States. Now, this typically will happen during a Democratic administration. The Democrats are very autocratic and they side most vociferously with the intelligence community when it comes to um, being embarrassed or uh, crimes of humiliation against the agency. Um, you know, and I don't really give a shit if the CIA is humiliated. Okay. I don't know if people were killed or exposed. They always act like their ass is completely burned when nothing really happened to them. Okay. They're insulted. You know, they might look bad. They might be embarrassed, but that never killed anyone. And Julian Assange certainly didn't kill anyone. Um, he's been instrumental in, you know, the FOIA movement and getting uh, basically government information into the hands of people who don't have it. Um, uh, it's, it's a source of great distress. And I'm really hoping that people will call in and be a part of this. Uh, this discussion for the moment, I'm just going to go to a news item. So Swiss amnesty is saying the UK magistrates court has ordered Julian Assange 
his extradition to the United States. So it's still, I'm still processing that. It's bad news. Why is it bad news? Well, it looks like we'll go to WikiLeaks and let them describe what's going on. The decision will now move to UK Home Secretary Preeti Patel. The defense may have until May 18th to make submissions. So there are additional crowdsourcing justice campaigns. Um, but in the next few days, they, they are kind of moving the goalpost. There is a Europe Free Assange rallying concert on the 23rd, which is in a couple of days at the Place La Monnaie, Brussels, Monet, yeah. And uh, for Hacking Justice, Code Pink is on the die. They are saying don't extradite Assange. So just some of the things that I'm seeing. Um, there are charges of espionage. So yeah, it's the, it's the espionage class that is attacking Assange for journalism. And they typically don't like journalists, you know, occasionally if they're like more like Putin, they will, they'll just kill a journalist. If they're really gangster, they'll just kill a journalist rather than have him imprisoned. So there's a new petition and it's aimed at Preeti Patel. And she seems to be a human rights character in the UK. One step closer to extradition. Searching, searching. So I'm hoping people will call in. I invited a bunch of people. I don't know if they're interested or not in Assange. They should be. I want them to be. So here's what is being said about it. According to a Tribune, uh, Assange's extradition would be a nail in the coffin of press freedom. Supreme Court has refused Julian Assange's permission to appeal against extradition to the U.S., setting a precedent that endangers every journalist whose work threatens the interest of empire. Well, I don't know if it's just empire, but, you know, there's there's the role of the free press in the world, and that's what he represents, at least to me. If Julian Assange had been convicted of manslaughter, he'd be very likely out of jail by now. Manslaughter convictions can result in as little is two years served in jail. The maximum is 10. Those sentences typically are not to be served in a high security prison. As it stands, I'm pulling out of this and saying that he faces up to 175 years uh, of, you know, compiled crimes against the security state here in the United States. And for a long time, they wouldn't, reveal their case. Like it was a hidden case. So it was very Kafkaesque and there's something very illegal about the way that they're conducting this. I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I did invite people who were lawyers to come talk. And I did invite other people who do DAO to come on this podcast and describe how maybe Assange DAO might work. So Assange DAO is how they're um, they're aggregating fundraising using blockchain because it stands outside of the regulatory environment and can help him as a journalist serving human rights, you know, causes. 
abroad. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this program is, you know, Assange is a sanctioned guy. He's a sanctioned citizen. He did normal journalistic actions. I would say, you know, super normal journalistic actions. And then he became an intelligence target. And so that is why I think he should be protected because they are operating in a way where they're trying to malign him or kill him because of internal, you know, arbitrary, you know, intelligence policy that, you know, they say, I'm, I'm too dumb. I'm too plebeian to understand it, but they, they really just, there's a psychosis over there where they, they don't feel like they have to obey laws. They don't have to obey domestic laws <laughs> Um, and they spy perpetually on American citizens and kind of break our laws. And I, I've gone on this podcast before and said, as such, we're trying to be ruled. They're trying to rule us by espionage. And you can't conduct a country in a whole way by rule with espionage. You can't just, you can't just feed a people on espionage. You can't just do everything that a state needs to do based on espionage goals. <clears throat> and it, it's not, it's a weird place to be because there's the free market and the wheels that enjoy that free market. And then there's whatever agenda that is kind of mysterious and driving. And, you know, some of these people can be purchased you know, the things that make sense to them don't make sense to me. So when they went after Assange, I can say that that was definitely something that didn't make any sense to me. <clears throat> so Assange's lawyers challenged this by arguing that the assurances had not been given in the main hearing and therefore had not been tested by argument and court. The Supreme Court have just brushed that aside and essentially ruled that such assurances must be taken at face value whenever they are given and that there is no necessity for them to be argued in front of a judge. That is Kafkaesque. That a decision creates a dangerous precedent that can be used by any regime from Saudi Arabia to China as they pursue political dissidents here, you know, respectively in the UK, at a stroke, it makes political opponents of authoritarian regimes unsafe in Britain. However, the Assange cause still has a fighting chance in the courts. They are limited grounds on which Home Secretary Priti Patel has to consider objections to the extradition. And even if she dismisses these, it, as seems likely, Julian Assange, Assange's lawyers can then launch a fresh appeal to the high court to overturn the parts of the original decision on which they lost. So these are actually the most political and substantive parts of the case. They deal with whether or not there was a public interest defense for publishing the material that Assange put into public cir circulation. They also deal with whether this is a political case, which is clear to me it's political. Such cases are supposed to be inadmissible under the extradition treaty. If they were not, Every tin pot dictatorship on the planet would be hunting down its opponents using the treaty to get their hands on them. 
They deal with the most fundamental issues of freedom of the press. Assange's supporters are by now well used to the Byzantine processes of the legal system. They recognize that lawfare is being used to wear down both Assange personally and the campaign to defend him. That must not happen. During the course of this appeal, the court of public opinion has swung in Assange's favor. The prosecution lead witness has admitted that he lied to the court and the CIA plans to kidnap or kill Assange have been publicly exposed. So they did, they did try to kill him. (laughs) So meanwhile, an extraordinary virtual auction raised huge funds from thousands of supporters to pay the legal costs of the case. A new crowdfunding appeal has been launched to meet the cost of future political campaigning It's political. in a political environment where dissident and alternative voices are being suppressed. It is more important than ever that this signal case of free speech not be lost. Freedom of speech and a free press are under threat. They must be defended. And that's uh, jo- John Reese. Uh, he's a co-founder of Stop the War Coalition and visiting research fellow at Goldsmiths University of London. So I have a listener. Hey, Pedro, if you're out there, um, if you'd like to call in, see here, I'll take that next caller. So if you unmute your mic, you can talk. It's in the bottom right-hand corner. Oh, How you doing, Pedro? Oh, yeah, yes. I, so since uh, I, I was not thinking of calling, but since you, you called my name, I just called to say hi, that's all. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you have anything to say about the Assange case or what you might be feeling about that? Uh, I feel very bad, but I don't have anything. So I agree totally with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of processing it myself. Um, you know, are you are you in the U.S. or are you in Europe? Uh, I, I am in the U.S., but I'm uh, I'm a citizen of Portugal. So, but I've, I've been living here. So. If the UK extradites Assange, what would that mean for you? For me? Uh, yeah. I'm, I mean, psychologically, it's terrible. I mean, how, how can you feel if somebody is being, like, tortured to death? You just feel terrible. That's what I feel. Yeah, I really feel like he's been he's been strung out over the years. And um, not just maligned, but, you know, this is a long long form punishment for this person and he it's it's unjust you know his laundry's come out he he's had all these he has all these human flaws but you know it's not at the end of the day that isn't has nothing to do with why he's being in prison you don't throw people in prison for having a flawed personal life uh, I, I don't. I don't even the flawed personal life. What do you think is is flawed? It, the whole point was that they tried to smear him. They tried to hear, smear him personally, humiliate him personally, because he was part and parcel of smearing and 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 disseminating information that humiliated uh, political actors all over the planet. So that became a goal: is to to counter smear Julian as as get even odds. Yes. What I find is appalling is, so he's a journalist, but basically journalists dares to even speak about the case. Hmm. Well, I thought there, Glenn Greenwald still talks about his song. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, when I say <clears throat> mainstream, I mean, I, I meant the ones that show up on the, on the television. 
Uh, Tucker Carlson uh, also has yes. done some features on Julian. And uh, Max, do you know Max Blumenthal? Max Blumenthal, okay. It's Max Blumenthal. He's an independent journalist based in D.C. He has a, a website called The Grey Zone. He's on Twitter, actually. Uh, it's, him, it's him, Max Blumenthal, his wife, Anya, and another Canadian journalist called Harlan Mate. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but I, I agree. I know about the Grey Room. I know about the Grey Zone. I think they are basically the best two journalists. It's worth uh, following them on Twitter. Okay. They talk about uh, Max talks basically about uh, about uh, he's talking about the war lately. He talk, he's, he's an expert on the Palestinian Israeli conflict. Mm-hmm. He's actually the son of a famous of Sidney Blumenthal, which was uh, oh right, yeah, he's, uh, which was a ill thinking. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, recalling now the Blumenthal's. Yeah, <clears throat> and, uh, they kind of fell left, but you know that that doesn't necessarily make it complete poison. There's a lot of people doing extraordinary work from all all sorts of places in this in the spectrum. I used a really great political spectrum. <clears throat> I used to read a lot more yeah. of that stuff, uh, but I, I think I've just kind of become numb to most of it because uh, the internet has kind of become this brutalizing place. You know, sources of information are, are kind of, kind of siphoned off. What has happened to public information? You know, after they attacked Julius Assange and after they they turned anonymous into a criminal enterprise because that that could have been a form of sabotage too. Uh, anonymous ordinarily wasn't they didn't do things that were overtly criminal like doxing police uh but then there were people in that came into the movement <clears throat> and then started doing these overtly you know stepping over the criminal line things and that invalidated the legitimacy of the anonymous movement um doxing is is a is bad policy uh, more generally but when it's goofy and achan <clears throat> it, it was something to be snickered about but i don't I, it's really super dangerous to dox anyone right now because the political tensions are so high <clears throat> and people give themselves permission to to be violent in in many cases so you can't really expose a person's whereabouts or their address in, in any event um even in light jest because something really bad may happen to them so instead of you know going yeah we need to to be freer and more more open with our communication i became somebody who really battened down the hatches and really nailed things down um to use more privacy more encryption more everything because you can't control who who really sees you even when you want to um there's a lot of prying technologies um <clears throat> and what julian had in favor of him is that he was he knew how to manage how he was being seen but he was a public figure. So I I don't think he was necessarily difficult to capture. 
but they've been using lawfare to try to kettle him. And, you know, it's not been a just process at all. It's been demoralizing to watch because this is a, this is an otherwise free person that could be anybody. If it could happen to Julian, it could happen to you. It could happen to me. He's a sanctioned person and he's sanctioned by the United States government. And, you know, that's, that's extraordinarily difficult for me to, to accept. So, um, you know, I want a free press. I want more debate. I want people to, to express themselves and, and to participate in the political process and in a more full way, but they don't do that unless they feel like their, their speech is going to be regarded as non-criminal and we don't live in an environment right now where you can say that. I mean, it's so strange to me. Yes, it's. I agree with you. The Democrats used to represent like the freedom, lateral freedoms for for all people, but they they went so hard left that they're more autocratic, and so no one can really speak uh, candidly like they used to. And so that's that's disturbed me psych- psychically, socially, spiritually, uh, as an American citizen, because I'm used to having those things. I'm used to, you know, being able to, to say things and not be be um, cut off. Go ahead. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think this was not always like this, right? Uh, it wasn't. It, it was it was after nine eleven. I think. I don't I don't know how, how old are you, but. But I remember 9-11 before and after, and uh, I saw like a huge difference. I mean, before it was like the everything was just relaxed, but after people was weird. I don't. What, what do you think? I think that people were stirred and confused. They were afraid, um, as all people are after there's there's been a, a mighty mighty attack. Where thousands are killed in a single day on a on a huge, you know, international target like the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <clears throat> however, if I would have known that the Bush administration would be throwing traditional U.S. civil freedoms in the garbage, and you know, going to war without an act of Congress. And going, you know, putting, you know, the, the national security state on top of everything domestic. Um, I, I mean, I did fight hard. I, I was in there fighting, I think, probably from the first time I could see it. But I didn't really, really get my fight in until he started coming after identity and identity articles, because that's that's the last bastion we were going to be uh, become like this turnkey checkpoint state. I mean, I just saw it chipped and papered away um, over the second leg of that administration. I fought very hard to get John Kerry elected with <laughs> progressive Democrats in, in Southern California just because I did not want Bush to get reelected. And I remember the day, this is kind of like a joke from my, my living experience, but I remember the day that I, <clears throat> that 
John Kerry conceded. I turned to the, someone ran out. It was my boyfriend at the time. He ran and says, uh, John Kerry conceded. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, he conceded the election. And I think it took me about 15 seconds. And I turned to the, the nearest garbage can and threw up mightily. <laughs> I just remember that because I knew more crap was coming and I just, I, I couldn't believe it, you know, for me to be that desperate because, you know, I knew that the libertarian candidate or the green candidate was not going to win that election. And even the Democrat did not win that election um, because I wanted civil freedoms to return to, to relative normal. I, w- I wanted them to go back to normal. And I didn't, I still don't have my wish. I want, I want my civil freedoms back. So. Yes, I, I remember that it was 2004, right? 2000, late 2004, like November. Yes, yeah. I, I remember because uh, I was a Howard Dean supporter and I was very disappointed. He, uh, he, he lost the primary because of that screen. I don't know if you remember our Dean screen. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, yes. legendary now. Yes. <laughs> it's a meme that will never die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it, it was like uh, uh, like uh, the first on the, the list. But then he, he start, did that speech and, that speech and uh, it just sounded a little weird, but I don't know why the media started to pick it up and Somehow they paint him as a kind of a lunatic mad or something like that. I don't. I don't really think it was just that. I think that that was carefully orchestrated because I don't think you can throw someone in the garbage for a scream anymore. I think they really have to to go after them. I, it's so much less believable now um, that somebody can get marginalized for a simple act of you know awkward expression. Um, yes, but I think it was the the media that just made a big issue. I don't, I don't remember exactly because it was like many years ago. So, well, I think that that's definitely an earmark of petty tyranny. If you want to, you know, there wasn't any credible reason to discredit him. Like they 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 weren't using a policy reason no, or exactly. a position reason to say you shouldn't be in power. They said we don't like your laugh. Yes, yes, it was totally weird. And, but it was basically CNN or, or maybe Fox, I don't know. It was just cable news that kept it on the cycle and, and they just build this kind of consensus that everybody is brainwashed into. So, yeah, I don't think that world really truly exists. I mean, I think it exists for people like um, Anderson Cooper and uh, a few of the other, you know, the Brzezinski's. Everybody else is kind of outside of that. That's what I think. Yes, but then and then John Kerry also made a had a terrible campaign. He, he allowed them to to be swift voted. I don't know. Oh, you... that became a term to be swift voted. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. They just made like a complete lie about this Vietnam kind of episode that was turned out to be a lie, but it just. It didn't just fight back, push back. It just let it kind of... Well, that, that is political weakness when you don't stand up against your detractors. Yeah, it, So exactly. that, that, was, that was a failure of his political test at the end of the day. 
um, you have to stand up to your political detra- detractors when it's expressly like, I am going to smear you because you are you. And then, um, and then you don't, you don't fight. You know, when so much is riding on the line, he could have come back with so many different things. He could have counter, counter strike with so many different things, but he didn't, he didn't go for it. He just, he just didn't make his opportunity to get in a war and, and fight. Exactly. He didn't react at all. It was like cool and. I know I'm going to be cool, you know. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of a cool person, uh, kind of a nice person. Like, he's a good diplomat, actually. He was secretary of... I mean, I don't know if he was a good, an effective secretary of state, but he, he has the personality of a diplomat, right? Try to, to talk. Actually, he did the, the, Iran, the Iran deal, so... Actually, yeah, a, a, a good thing um, that which is did. difficult. He's he's garnered a lot of criticism from, um, you know, U.S. opponents to his policies and politics. I don't, I don't know as much about the Iran situation, but I I do know this is that the United States has become kind of inside out. Like our guts are being pulled towards other places in the globe, and we're being um, watered down our our interests are being watered down with global interests that do not express the interests of the United States. And that's been, it's been a pretty slow slide to go there, but that's globalism. And we've got a lot of people in our, in the top rungs of our government who are pro global because they've got a lot of corporate um, insider trading interests. That is a huge problem. It's uh, term limits not being present to get rid of people who are corrupt, like Nancy Pelosi, um, is a problem. Uh, you know, people who've been there too long, people who, who are making money from being a public official, uh, I mean, and becoming extraordinarily rich uh, to a point where it's, it's attracting the wrong type of people to get involved with, with government office. Um, because there's just no pro- they grease the wheels and don't get prosecuted somehow. You know, the worst thing is like, well, we'll talk bad about you on prime time. That's, that's the worst. That's the worst it get, dude. That's as bad as it gets for them. We're going to say bad things about you on prime time. And you might get three mad phone calls from the district, which you'll ignore. And then you'll be really rich from your corrupt insider trading. Yes, and that's I wrong. <laughs> We gotten away, way far away from. But this is one of the reasons why Assange actually was relevant. He thought he maybe you know he corked it. He found a way to bore through that process of all these corrupt people. And I remember when it got really bad for him was 2010. Um, it got really bad for Julian in 2010 when Citizens United was passed. Do you remember when Citizens United was passed? Yes. Okay, that was. That was a bad, bad day for the universe uh, because yeah. then it made it more more possible for Chinese dark money, Russian dark money, enemy dark money, Germany dark money to come in and influence our politics and our public policy in the United States. That's globalism. And he saw it coming and he was he had this Pan-American, you know, distillation 
of information that that really checked them and made them accountable. He he showed the accounts receivable of these these corrupt public officials, and I thank him for it. I thank you, Julian Assange. If you ever get a chance to listen to this, uh, which you know I, I don't think you will, but if he does, you know, just thank you all the time, every day. Thank you, and I hope you get free. Uh, if you had something to say to Julian right now, what would you say? Uh, try to, to stay alive, not commit suicide. For yeah, stay strong. Stay strong, yes. Yeah, be be strong for your children. Be strong for your wife, and be strong for us. We're we're gonna support you yes. in spirit. Um, if you're interested in, in Assange's. Um, Legal Defense Fund, you can go to uh, Assange DAO at Twitter and proceed from there. WikiLeaks is also a credible place to donate to the Julian Assange Legal Defense Fund. But there were all sorts of credible reasons to for Assange to do what he did. And he was a rele- became a relevant figure because he was the only person who had any any real efficacy to to kind of check um, this rogue security state that just kind of papered itself on top of, of you know, a domestic citizen. Just totally unaware that they were, you know, these are farmers and bankers and, and normal people who don't think about this stuff very much. You know, the, the, the most they think about government is when they come to, to do the taxes and, and when the garbage man shows up to get their, their trash. They don't think about it. And, you know, unlike me, I was raised inside of the government. My dad worked for the government. And um, so I think about it a lot. <laughs> okay, any, any parting thoughts, Pedro? We got we to gotta wrap it up. No, no, just t- thank you for, for talking with me. That's, that's all. Uh, I will keep on talking. I, I actually just found out about your show right now. I was browsing the app, so... Well, Pedro, thank you for calling in. It's been a wonderful conversation, you know, and I, I, you know, I hope you'll, I hope you'll come back again. Yes, I will for sure. And follow, follow me and, uh, uh and... I already follow. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad to have you as a follower. Okay. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. All right. Well, that, with that, we're going to wrap up, um, you know, just a few parting shots, you know, unconditional support for the proper legal defense of Julian Assange. Um, if you're out there, you know, give it a whirl. And at, at Assange DAO. All right, we're going to leave now. Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access unsanctioned citizen podcast archives at Substack, Automatic iHeartRadio podcasts and call in. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.